When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it, Road Show Friday here at the Single Barrel at Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. We are jacked up, man. It is senior weekend. It's Nebraska. It's Wisconsin. It is Big Ten November cold, so why not warm up with a little whiskey, uh, a big old steak, and uh, some football numbers to get in today here on Hale Varsity Radio 4663776466377680825586565 can find the show or streaming uh, if you're watching and ways to do that Hale Varsity Radio Twitter it is still alive. That's incredible. At H Varsity Radio, ESPN Lincoln Facebook, Hale Varsity uh, Radio Facebook is what I told you about. ESPN Lincoln uh, Facebook and Twitter as well. So those are ways to engage and watch the show, and uh, can always uh, find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore Radio at Herbal Essence for Elijah to my right. Uh, he is looking like he's rented a wood shepherd chipper for the weekend. Connor Clark is warm in the studios. Uh, there is a, uh, well, he has a bracelet on his ankle, and it beeps if he goes 400 yards away from the studio. Uh, we appreciate you, uh, well, making home of that studio, Connor. I've been trying to get and, it off me for weeks now. And I know you have, working. right? Uh, at C underscore Clark underscore 27 is where you follow Connor on Twitter. Exciting day. Uh, Nebraska is going to have some visitors this weekend. And uh, really excited to talk to a just super talented offensive lineman. Uh, coming up here in about 20 minutes or so, Gage Ginther. Uh, Gage is uh, an offensive tackle in Fort Collins. He has uh, been offered by Colorado. He has been offered by Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, Missouri. There's a number of, of big-time schools that, that really like him. Uh, Nebraska is getting uh, him and his dad, Jonas, to visit this weekend. That is really awesome. And uh, we'll dive into uh, to, uh Gage and uh, just where Nebraska can go on that offensive line. Uh, Gage, a 2024 prospect. Uh, Bill Dolman going to be with us on site. The pride of Fairbury back from his Big Ten volleyball extravaganza. He'll be down at the single barrel with us. And then Brady Oltman, staff writer for Hale Varsity, will join us. His thoughts on some of the visitors this weekend, the, wa- the matchup with Wisconsin, and then uh, Klosberg. 
Friday forecast commences at 540. But uh, you're invited down here to the single barrel. Uh, Come see us. Come say hi. The final Friday tailgate of the year. We uh, will not go that quietly, though, as we are back here tomorrow morning at 7 a.m., 7 to 9, pregame, and then Real Red Reaction here from the single barrel inside the graduate following Nebraska's, dare I say, victory over Wisconsin. Don't spoil the Friday forecast just yet. We, we got a, a while before we get to our, our predictions for the day. We do. But, guys, let, let's get into it. Uh, you look at Nebraska, Wisconsin. We're not going to beat you over the head with uh, just wowing analysis. At least I won't. But just from a, from a mindset as a Nebraska fan that's going to gear up and be in the stands to say thank you to this senior class when it's 12 degrees and 30-mile-per-hour winds, that is your reality tomorrow. Uh, this game, this time of year, for, for most of us, has meant a lot. Doesn't matter who the opponent is, but typically at this point in the year, it's somebody of substance. Maybe it's Ohio State, maybe it's Wisconsin, maybe it's Iowa, Penn State in past years, Colorado and Oklahoma for me growing up. But this time of year has always meant so much. And uh, the topic this week is been all about pride for Nebraska. That's one thing, if you're a Nebraska fan, you got to be thankful about with Mickey Joseph and his kids is that they have instilled a ton of pride with what they do, how they do it, and uh, the effort you're going to see tomorrow. doesn't guarantee a win. They are far from a perfect football team. They're far from a deep football team. But you're going to have to to knock them out to, to beat them. And more times than not this year during this losing streak, uh, it's been uh, Nebraska just getting overpowered by the fourth quarter. It's been Nebraska not having an answer or a playmaker to get some of their other guys the football. And it's been a really wonderful effort for, we'll say, 70% of the football game by the defense until the levy breaks and it's just too much to take because of possession time. Can that flip at least for three and a half hours tomorrow? That's a big ask because of what the tendency's told you. The tendency has been, well, Nebraska's going to hang in. Nebraska's going to be in the fight. Nebraska's going to be there uh, towards the end at home. But you couldn't put two halves together against Minnesota. Some broad questions we'll talk about and get into. Coach Alvarez touched on it earlier in the week as far as you know, what you need to do to win in Lincoln. Our friend Damon Benning touched on it with his Benning bites as far as, all right, who do you want to emulate if you're Nebraska football? We can dive into that topic a little bit uh, as we uh, move forward today. Uh, also, the, the silence of the coaching search. A couple more names have maybe popped up just in, in passing that are out there on social media. And an interesting theory on the Penn State job in relation to Auburn and and maybe that might be part of the pause here with what Matt Rule wants to do. Numbers to get in at 466-3776 or 800-825-5865 can email chris at hailvarsity.com. I hope for these seniors that they get it handled tomorrow. I, I hope for guys like Trent Hickson and Caleb Tanner that uh, they get handled tomorrow. They have put in a ton of effort, and life isn't always fair. Uh, they've learned that the hard way their time in Lincoln. And the question to me, if Nebraska wants to go home happy on senior day, is 
how does this offense in particular respond to the weather? I, I think the defense, we know they're gamers, and we know what Wisconsin's going to do offensively. I don't think it changes the task for the defense. But for the offense, it changes a ton. And I'm going to bring up a, a quick example here of how you can respond to the weather. Does it bring the best out of you, or does it bring the worst out of you? You look back to that Minnesota game uh, a couple years ago where Nebraska just did not look ready to go. It was cold. It was snowy. Scott was complaining about the guys wearing sleeves during pregame for some reason. And the guys did not respond well. They didn't look like they wanted to be there. Now, on the flip side, I look at my recent weeks playing Call of Duty at home. We, we keep our, our Xbox set up in the coldest room of the house. I'm not sure if this is causation or just correlation, but I've been having my best success on Call of Duty over the past couple weeks in the coldest room of the house. I think it's bringing the best out of me. I'm responding to the adversity and I'm pushing through. And obviously I say this a little bit tongue in cheek, but what does Nebraska's offense do with the cold weather? Do they accept the fact that, you know what, we're going to have to run the football to find success in this game tomorrow and we're going to step up to the challenge. We know that we're cold and if we're cold, that means the defense is cold too. It's all about who can out-tough the other team. And as I said earlier, we know what Wisconsin's offense brings. We know their offensive line is a bunch of tough SOBs, and uh, they're going to out-physical you, or at least attempt to, in a cold-weather football game. That's what they do. But the offensive line for Nebraska, are they going to step up to that challenge and go out there and, and, you know, lay their physicality down to Wisconsin as well? Or are they going to push back and, and try to get the run game going? Because if Nebraska has to drop back and throw the ball 30 times tomorrow, it's not a winning formula, especially whenever you're looking at kickoff around 12 degrees. But if Nebraska's offense, and this, particularly the offensive line, can step up to that cold weather challenge, I think Nebraska could be going home happy on senior day. There's, there's going to be some life within this team tomorrow. The question is, is there life from all 22 guys? Sure, and uh, that's fair. Connor, uh, the, the topic of... Uh, what do you want to be in the Big Ten and a changing Big Ten is another point. Todd chimes in, and Todd, I can read your email, but it would be the last email I read ever. (laughs) So I'm going to clean this up for radio airplay. (laughs) Todd says you don't emulate anyone. You just go back to hard-nosed Midwest bleeping football. You and whoever says... You and whoever says that are straight up something true story. <laughs> Good editing. You did a, an exceptional I, job picking that up. So, actually. Todd, I, I read what I could. Listen, throughout football, wherever you live, uh, you're either chased or chasing. And when Barry Alvarez came into the Big Ten, and there's probably some groans and eye rolls because there's not a – Lot of there, there's there's mixed love for Barry Alvarez around Big Red Country because of the OI course thing, right? Get it? Uh, but Barry, when he moved to the Big Ten, he he wanted to to hurt you for four quarters, like Nebraska football. Nebraska football built to stop Oklahoma. To to win the league, you had to beat Oklahoma. To beat Oklahoma, you had to be good at running the football and stopping the run. Uh, Nebraska in later years shifted to be able to defensively be more like Miami, Florida State, some of those schools that were just so, so fast off the edge to get after the quarterback, and they were talented enough to have uh, effective man coverage. So you can take different pieces, but you borrow from everyone. Everyone borrows from you. It's just this continuous cycle. You'll send coaches down to see what Florida State does. Nebraska did that before they flipped to the 4-3. Nick Saban at Michigan State sent his coaches to Nebraska after getting smoked by Nebraska when he was at Sparty. 
okay, and, and he brought that with him to Alabama and then LSU. Uh, how, how do you build depth? Uh, how do you get a line of scrimmage where you can have a second and third team ready to go in case, God forbid, your first-string quarterback has nerve damage? So your second or third team quarterback is good to go. You're, you, you've got a You've got to build to beat who the top dog is. And if you're the top team in the conference, the bigger picture picture has always been, all right, who are you having to take down in a bowl game back in the day for a national championship? Guys, this is going to shift completely here in two years with probably no divisions, and you'll need to be in the top three to get playoff consideration. That is the goal if you're a Nebraska football fan. Uh, the reality is, is you're pretty far down. You're not. I think there's been uh, missed opportunity with with what talent you've had versus how you've coached them up. I think that's a bigger part of the equation. And for Nebraska, to me, uh, get in that uh, that mid range, whoever the next coach is, and then work your way up. Be competitive, uh, and 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 have that dream season. But if you end up getting closer to Minnesota sooner rather than later, Wisconsin, back when they're going nine or ten wins, sooner rather than later, live in that neighborhood, start beating the teams that you haven't beaten for a lot of years in your West or your old West division. And then let's talk about Penn State. Let's talk about Ohio State. Let's talk about what Michigan is. Well, yeah, to your point. A rebuild is a process. You can't expect to end up at the finish line with your first step. And I really like your point here about, you know, Minnesota is an attainable goal for this Husker football team in the near future. What Minnesota can do is they can go out and, and with their facilities, with their support, with P.J. Fleck, they can go out recruit the likes of Purdue, Rutgers, Maryland, um, name your lower-level Big Ten foe. They can go out and out recruit those guys, and then they turn – that talent into more talent through their development and they go out and beat those teams and you occasionally get that 11 and one magical season that minnesota had you occasionally get that top 10 exactly that that's your building block and that might be the next decade for husker football if the next guy can get it right but then look at what michigan did that michigan was kind of in that same point as of four years ago and then what happens they get that one recruiting class they get uh the, the right coaching staff together and it comes together to something magical you get that playoff run and now it looks like michigan's here to stay you get that one great season that's the next step and then when you're a place like michigan or a place like nebraska a place like name your blue blood as soon as you get it going it's going to be hard to stop that momentum because the recruits are going to see it and they're going to want to come play for nebraska uh, the other teams are going to start saying you know what you see michigan lined up uh, against you if you're Maryland or you're Indiana, you're kind of expecting something to go wrong. It makes your, your task throughout the season easier, and, and it all comes down to the steps Nebraska takes. The first step cannot be Michigan. The first step cannot be Ohio State, but the first step can very realistically be a team like, as you said, Minnesota. It's a reasonable goal. You know whenever Minnesota steps on the field for their season, they're going to beat eight out of the nine teams that they're expected to beat any given season. You're expecting them to win. They're going to go out and do it for the most part, and then they're going to get that one magical season, and the difference between a place like Nebraska and Minnesota is what can you build from that magical season? What can uh, the momentum be after that to turn you into something special? It's expectations, Connor, right? And that's, that's the arm wrestling match where if you taste a little bit of success at Nebraska, you want it to be sustained success and, and excellence. And right now, I mean, you're, you're in the throes of, of six seasons where you've had uh, losing records. You've had losing records in the Big Ten. You've had losing records 
overall, and you're you're just not. I'm not saying you're not competitive. You, you have been, but you've beat te- you haven't beaten teams. Purdue's kind of their their own special sauce with their offense and what Brom does, but everybody else kind of wants to out physical you, be uh, be tougher than you in the fourth quarter, and, uh, and and be the last man standing in a bar fight to to get to Indy, uh, and then can you uh, can you grab lightning in a bottle uh, with a home game if you're in Iowa or a Purdue or. Minnesota with one of the, one of the big bad East teams coming to your place in an October night game. Can you can you knock them off? That has happened because it's just a gauntlet in this league. So, you know what? How how quickly can you build back up uh, since you've been down? If you're Nebraska, there is some history here with with Illinois. Illinois is now in year two of of Burt. Uh, they are they are going to win eight games this year. Uh, the other part of this expectation point is uh, where, you know, what, what is your reset season? We'll continue on uh, more discussion on the way. Gage Ginther, offensive line recruit for Nebraska, on the way with Hale Varsity. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back here with the Single Barrel Friday Road Show ahead of Nebraska, Wisconsin. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by Currency. We have a uh, new fan in the stream yard. Mohammed uh, wants to, uh, to to visit the stream yard, <laughs> apparently, and uh, find his way to the Single Barrel. Mohammed, thanks for listening. Uh, let's talk about a visit weekend. Uh, really talented offensive lineman out of Fort Collins, Colorado, Gage Ginther is with us. He is visiting Nebraska this weekend, uh, 2024 offensive line product out of Fossil Ridge in Fort Collins. Gage, thanks for a few minutes today. How are you? Good, you? You doing all right? Do you have us connected, Gage? Yep. Hello? (laughs) We got you, Gage. Uh, okay, uh, oh, we yeah. will uh, hope this uh, phone line holds. Gage, tell us a little bit about uh, your experience right now. Uh, you're a junior at uh, Fossil Ridge, and tell us how the recruiting process has been for you, some of the teams that have reached out to you so far. Um, it's been really good. It's starting to heat up right now. I just got offered by uh, Missouri a couple weeks ago and Oklahoma State Kansas a couple weeks ago, and then I've also have offers from CSU, uh, CU, and Indiana. So I have six offers right now and a bunch of interest. Tell us a little bit about uh, your process with Nebraska. How are, how are things right now? And um, have you had a chance to look at Lincoln at all, or is this your first trip out? Um, this is my first trip out. But, you know, they've been talking to me for a while. They've been talking to me all season. And they've been trying to get me out for a while, so I'm super excited. Gage Ginther with us here on Hale Varsity Radio, part of the visit group this weekend, offensive lineman with Folsom, uh, Fossil Ridge in Fort Collins. Gage, uh, who have you had most contact with uh, at Nebraska? Who are some of the coaches and support staff that have talked to you, and what's their message been? Um, I talked to Sean Dillon, the recruiting coordinator, mostly. He just talks to me all the time about like how my game goes, how the week's been like practice-wise. And um, just kind of checks up on me every day. 
Now, Gage, tell me a little bit about being recruited by a program that currently doesn't have a head coach in place. They have the interim head coach in Mickey Joseph. He's guys been putting in work, and Husker fans are very happy with what he's been doing. But what is that like? I mean, well, the consideration process, whenever you're being recruited by guys with permanent head coaches that have a plan in place, as opposed to a place like Nebraska, which has a lot of accolades, a lot of fan support, but currently doesn't have a permanent head coach in place. I mean, I know they'll get a good head coach in the future, whether it's Mickey Joseph or another head coach. So, I mean, it doesn't really phase me. It doesn't change my opinion on Nebraska at all. Gage, tell us a little bit about uh, your game, your season, and, and some of the things you do special on the football field. What's, what's allowed uh, you to, to kind of thrive and the interest to really peak up between the SEC, the Big 12, and now the Big 10? Um, I think, well, of course, my size and strength have been gifted just genetically. And then my, I'm just, I just play nasty and aggressive on the field. I think that's my biggest trait. I'm also probably Gage, one thing I've always noticed uh, about you from watching your film highlights and everything is that just about every single time, at least in your highlight tape, I understand that's a, a collection of your best plays, but from the highlight tape, there always is a guy that ends up on the ground at the end of the play. I was really impressed with how you play through the whistle and how you always finish your blocks. And as a former offensive lineman myself, I can tell you that it's not as easy to finish blocks against smaller guys as you'd think. I know they're smaller than you, but they're also faster than you. And you talk about your athleticism. But can you tell me a little about the mindset that it takes to, to play offensive line and how you like to play with finishing your blocks and making sure a guy ends up on the ground? Um. I just play mean as I can, you know, I just want to make him cry, kind of, and then, just, like, I just enjoy, like, hurting him, I guess. <laughs> We're going to get a t-shirt, I enjoy hurting them. <laughs> well, Gage, as somebody who's been around a couple of athletes at the high school level that were getting recruited pretty heavily, it was always a you know a question to me of, of how people such as yourself, who are getting all these D1 offers, how do you balance dealing with the recruiting process and, and how, how grueling that can be with all these Division One offers coming in, as well as dealing with, you know, your current high school season and just school in general. How is that balance for you? Um, well, I focus on my high school season and school first because without that I wouldn't have any offers. And then the offers just kind of come just for me naturally just being who I am, you know, and just playing good. And, um, getting good grades and everything like that. So if I get good grades and play well, the office will just come naturally. I don't really have to focus on them that much. Gage, with the recruiting process, who um, who do you feel, I guess, the most connection with right now? What uh, staff or program has either wowed you or uh, do you maybe have a lean towards right now? Um. Uh, it's pretty early in my process, so I'm not really leaning towards anywhere yet. But I'm, of course, CU talks to me a bunch because they're in Colorado, Oklahoma State. So every school that's offered me so far, I talk to a bunch. Gage, do you have a, a preference on you know what conference or what part of the country you, you want to play in? Do you want to stay close to home, or is this a, a national search for you, trying to find the best fit, trying to find you know uh, what's going to let you go to the next level, go play in the NFL? Um, yeah, I, I want to go to the Big Ten or the SEC. Uh, I don't really want to stay home. I want to go to the uh, to a place where I can have the most success in the future and, you know, hopefully make it to the NFL. 
And, and tell me, what are you looking for as you're, as you're taking your visits to different schools across the country? What are some of the things you're, you're looking for, some of the boxes you want to have checked by the end of your visit weekend? Um, if it's just a place that treats me well and feels like home, that I'm like comfortable with everyone there, and it feels kind of like a family with a good culture around the school. Gage Ginther is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio, a uh, highly talented offensive lineman out of Fort Collins, Colorado, Fossil Ridge, his high school uh, playoff bound this last season. Gage at 6'6", 270, 2024 prospect. Gage, at the next level, have schools talked to you from a projection standpoint? Do they see you at tackle or do they see you inside? I've been seeing it both. So Oklahoma State offered me a tackle, but then I'm sure I can play guard and better too if they need me to. So I'm down to play any of the three. Do you have a favorite or a preference, or do you work at all the spots? Um, I work out at all the spots, and I played all the spots this year in the season, but my preference is probably tackle. So I think that's where I'd be best. Gage, uh, a thought with your athleticism uh, for, for offensive line play, you need that mean and nasty. Uh, we, we've checked that box uh, based on the quote, I like to hurt people. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, when it comes to the athleticism, are you a multi-sport guy? Do you do track? Do you do hoops? How do you, how do you have your, your quickness and agility with the footwork? Um, I throw a shot and disc and track, but most of it comes from just wrestling. I wrestle until like, eighth grade, and my brother's a really good wrestler, so he's always wrestling me. I think that's probably the, the biggest part of it. Well, with your, your history in multiple sports, track and field and, and wrestling, what made football stand out to you, and particularly playing along the offensive line? It's not the most glamorous position in all of sports, being an offensive lineman, but, but what made it right for you well, what do you enjoy the most about being an offensive lineman um definitely just because it's like a fight every play so i get to really be like play nasty and then it's just fun you know just playing with all my best friends you know all at the same time i don't know gage i want to go back to, to wrestling your brother um Older brother, younger brother, what's what's the uh, the living room record look like? <laughs> um, he's older than me, and, you know, he, he used to beat me, but not anymore. I'm too big for him now. Do you have, do you have a go-to move? Um, no. No, no, no single leg, no double leg, no, no headlock? You, you got nothing that you go to that he just can't stop? Um, maybe like a lat drop, like, you know, Throw, but I gotta be safe, you know. No, I get you. Gage uh, Ginther with us here, uh, prospect for Nebraska, visiting this weekend. A uh, ton of offers uh, from the SEC and the Big Ten and the Big 12. Uh, 2024 offensive line prospect 6'6, 270, Fossil Ridge out of Fort Collins. Gage, en- enjoy your time in Lincoln. Best to your family, and thanks for giving us a few minutes today. There he is, Gage Ginther with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. So he'll be in uh, this weekend. Uh, you, you watched his film. There's the, um, the the drone footage that they had at Colorado State where they play a lot of their football games, their playoff action. So uh, really a big kid, 
Uh, and, you know, Nebraska has had a good history of tapping into Colorado for, for talent, be it uh, Corey Ross or, uh, of course, Jeremiah Searles, uh, Colorado guys, just the two that stick out uh, for certain uh, uh, from, you know, back in the day. And, and Gage, good-looking lineman. Oh, yeah, and, and I wasn't kidding. If you go pull up his, uh, his huddle film, every single play on his highlight tape, the guy he's blocking ends up on the ground, which is a – I mean – as a guy who's six foot six and 270 pounds, sometimes that gets taken for granted a little bit. But there is a, a skill to going out and finishing your blocks and, and playing through the whistle and uh, keeping it within the rules of the game. There is a skill to that, and that just stands out. I mean, right off the page, and it reminds me of I mean, look at what Cam Jurgens was doing last year. It felt like just about every single time he got matched up on somebody smaller than him, that guy ended up on the ground. There's that nasty factor that you need to be an offensive lineman, and it sounds kind of, you know. Uh, abrasive when you hear a guy say I play offensive line because I like to hurt people but there is a, a mindset that needs to be had whereas as long as it's within the rules of the game that, that is kind of a, a nasty factor that is necessary along the offensive line especially within the Big Ten if, if you don't think that Wisconsin's offensive lines or, or Iowa's offensive lines aren't going up to the ball every single play with the mindset of I want to hurt this guy across from me you're fooling yourself it's a mindset that's needed but it's also needed to, to be taking place within the rules of the game well a, a guy that was great at, at smoking people remember Linderbaum from Iowa yes I mean he was a bowling ball right he with, was, with the Ravens awesome. now yeah they just wanted to, to, to hurt people and yeah I mean that's that's the quote of our one I, I want to see him crying I, I want to hurt people put it on a within, t-shirt that's NIO money <laughs> within, within the rules of the game but uh, yeah uh, and you know what's really cool too a little bit of a backstory. Uh, with uh, the Ginther family, uh, you have uh, uh, the great-grandfather of, of Gage. Um, his great-grandfather, uh, dear fishing buddies with my grandfather. No way. Yeah. Small so, world. Small world it is. Uh, we'll step away. Bill Dolman on the way. Hail Varsity here at the Single Barrel. We'll continue on. We're presented by Currency. And now. And now. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Back with you in uh, the single barrel. Hail Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency. Inside the Graduate, you're invited down here till 6 o'clock. And then tomorrow morning, 7 to 9, free game. And uh, then uh, post game here, Real Red Reaction. Jeff chimes in. If we win uh, the game tomorrow, uh, that Iowa game gets even bigger. Maybe a bowl. Let's get into that for a moment. Well, well, don't look now, but if Iowa wins their game tomorrow, they could be playing for a Big Ten West crown against Nebraska on Black Friday. Like, that seemed so far out of the question three weeks ago. But now Iowa's gotten a a little streak. They've gotten hot. If they get a win tomorrow, that game on Black Friday could mean a whole bunch for the Hawkeyes. Well, we'll be on site for it. We will be at the, uh, the Marriott in Iowa City, right by Kinnick for pregame. Noon to 2 on Black Friday, then Real Red Reaction from Iowa City uh, next Friday. We're here till 6 today. As you have an email in, uh, we want to touch on from Chad. We were talking about identity. What do you emulate? Todd was wondering, why are we talking about this? Well, there's going to be a next guy. How's the next guy win in the Big Ten? How's the next guy climb the ladder offensively and defensively? There's got to be some sort of philosophy. And if you want to emulate old Nebraska, fine by me. Being able to run the football, get after the quarterback and stop the run. Chad says, I like uh, what what Chadwick does at Coastal Carolina. 
These offenses running the ball from multiple sets in multiple ways. Defensively, I like Bush and what he's doing here. What do you think? I think Bill Bush needs to, to stay. I think he's been fantastic. And um, uh, uh, you had Chad also say, you mentioned Alvarez, the feelings being mixed. How about full-blown hate? I'm good with that. I, I think there's... Love him, love him or hate him, you cannot deny Barry Alvarez's importance, not only to the Wisconsin football program as a whole, but to the Big Ten as a whole. But Barry has been one of the most important figures in the Big Ten in the past 20 seasons, and love him or hate him with his relation to Nebraska, you can't deny how important he has been. No, he has been, and there's just there's a, a feel of um, sabotage towards Nebraska. And I will say this about that. Uh, if if you're taking a call from Par- Harvey Perlman, who do you think is a good coach? Barry Alvarez is like, well, Mike Riley um, is a dude that almost beat me a couple of times, did beat me one time, beat my program. So I don't know how he did it at Oregon State, but he did it. And I, of course, is a guy I've been impressed with because he's worked for me. Now, that's a suggestion. Didn't go well at all, uh, but... You know, if you're Harvey Perlman, you got to figure out on your own due diligence kind of what your hire is. What kind of hire are you making as a coach? What kind of hire are you making as an AD? And the fact that you can continuously screwed things up and you've stuck your nose in uh, to the sports world from the academic side. Uh, that's your track record. The problem is, is he was in charge to, to make the move. The simplest way to put this is look inward. You can be mad at Barry, but... You should be mad at the people who are writing up a contract, offering a contract, getting pinned to paper on the contract. Barry making the hire. Barry can give suggestions all he wants, but at the end of the day, he had no power to make any hires for Nebraska over the past 20 years. No. Barry had no factor in that whatsoever. If he gave a recommendation, okay, but he's not the one putting pinned to paper. So look inward. You can be mad that Barry's suggesting the wrong guy. The guy didn't work out okay, maybe we wish that Wisconsin would have hired that guy instead of Nebraska. Be, be mad that Harvey's had a chance to make a couple of different hires, right? <laughs> I mean, yes. let's, just, let's just go there. Uh, okay, numbers to get in, 466-377-6800-825-5865. But a uh, couple of names to, to get into here from a coaching standpoint. You have Jeff Trailer, uh, University of Texas, San Antonio. That name came up on social media a little bit earlier today. He's 8-2. and two. He's done well down there. Finished the regular season 12-0 and 0 last year. I, th- mm. I believe he, uh, he sputtered to the finish line two losses uh, in postseason to finish the year. But, again, has another good-looking program down at UTSA this year. Kalen DeBoer. And I, I've had a chance to talk to Kalen many years ago. This is in 08 and 09. But he was at the university. I believe it was Sioux Falls. That, that sounds right. I'm going to double-check that. But his record, and it, it's similar to a Lance Leopold where you're at a lower, lower division and you're just winning a, a ton of national championships. And then he went the hard way. He could have stayed uh, winning ball games, going 12-0 and every year, winning NAIA or Division three championships. Am I right? We have University of Sioux Falls. His where he record, lost one game total. Yeah, his, oh, sorry, con- sorry, his conference record conference. was forty nine and one. DeBoer was. So he gets, he yeah, he gets plucked to um, to 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 Fresno, and he's plucked from Fresno to um, to to, to uh, Indiana, and then from Indiana 
uh, back to Fresno and then hired away from Fresno to, to lead Washington. Washington's 17th right now. But he's a pretty dynamic offensive mind. Penix was his guy at Indiana. He was the offensive coordinator during Indiana's top 10 season or uh, around there, their 8-2 and two COVID season. Uh, and now at Washington in year one, his buyout's $12 million. Brandon Vogel's, I don't know if he's uh, founder or president of the Kalen DeBoer fan club, but he is in the, uh, the, the fan club, and he's really pretty good. He does have some Big Ten background. The question is, is how gettable is he after only coaching one year, not even a full year at Washington just yet. How gettable is he? It's happened before in college football, uh, but the, the record of DeBoer, twelve million. The, the record for Kalen DeBoer speaks for itself, though. Eighty-seven and eleven all time as a head coach, and you have to factor in the fact that he was at Sioux Falls, where he won three national titles in five years. I as dreaded, head coach. I dreaded that game every year on TV. Uh, it was City TV. They broadcast Westland games, and every other year. Sioux Falls had come to town. There's no such thing as a running clock in college football. And it'd be 60 to nothing. I mean, it was just an absolute drubbing, and that's not a shot at Westland. That's how good those guys were at the University of Sioux Falls. I mean, they were really, really good. And then think of how good DeBoer's offense was at Indiana that one year, 2019. That was the year Indiana came and shocked everyone. And Indiana was putting up 450 yards of offense a game, only behind Ohio State that season. They were phenomenal with Kellen DeBoer as their offensive coordinator. He then obviously got the, the call up to offensive, or I should say head coach at Fresno State after that where he went 12-6 and six in two seasons then got the call up to Washington where he's been, again, phenomenal this season. Success has followed him he, everywhere he, he has gone. He is a lot like Leipold where they've taken tough jobs, they've not blinked, and they've just found a way to win. Uh, so those, those are a couple of different names right now. We'll get Bill Dolman's take on this because he plays the carousel game very well. He's already pointing at me. I, I don't know if they're out of Guinness or not. Do you need something to drink? Yeah, okay. But No, right. Dolman's like, and this is, sept- this is pre-frost firing. He's like, watch out for James Franklin wanting to get the hell out of Penn State. Well, right now you have rumors. Well, rumors and innuendo and insinuation that James Franklin's trying to break out of Unhappy Valley, get down to Auburn, and maybe Matt Rule ends up back home, former linebacker at Penn State. Maybe that's where some of the breaks are being pumped. It's a long way from coming to fruition. Auburn's still got a couple other candidates on the list, but it was really interesting to see James Franklin on the list because I think that would be a, a home run hire I think for he Auburn. wants out. I think he wants out of Penn State. His window is closed. Uh, with uh, potentially taking down Ohio State. It's gone the other way from three-point ball games. We'll wind down hour one. We uh, invite you down here to the single barrel here inside the Graduate Hale Varsity presented by Currency. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. What final time this hour? It's Hale Varsity Radio here at the single barrel. You need a whiskey. You need a steak. You need a burger, some sausage. How about breakfast? 7 a.m. We're back here tomorrow morning. Their breakfast buffet is incredible. Uh, We're presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Bill Dolman about 10 minutes away. Reminder about your friends at Red Zone Tickets selling fun. Since 2001, you have tickets you want to buy or sell. Nebraska football, Husker volleyball, and, of course, uh, 
basketball season is underway. Nebraska basketball, Creighton hoops, feeder tickets, concert tickets, and uh, the College World Series. Say you got the old deny from Taylor Swift. I'm sure your friends at Red Zone Tickets can uh, can take care of you. They are Omaha proud. They are local and an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. 100% guarantee on all orders. You'll get authentic tickets, and you'll be able to cross that item off your bucket list and create those memories. It's all about the experience, right? And uh, Red Zone Tickets have been providing those to you and for you since 2001. Log on today, redzonetickets.com, redzonetickets.com. Let's go to the phones. Paul's been patient. Paul, thanks for calling. Welcome into Hale Varsity, bud. Go ahead. Hey, guys, two questions for you. First, and it's just breaking my heart, are the tea leaves indicating that that's not going to be Mickey simply because if it were, wouldn't they have announced it by now that it's him? Yes. Yep, absolutely. They, they make that announcement. I know, I know. I think they want to go the experience route, and I, I, I understand that, but I think you got to look at your team as well. If, if, if you really don't get a yes from your top three candidates or top even top two candidates, do you really look at reconsidering? We don't know really the, the inner workings or, or where Trev's at, other than he's happy we where no things idea. are. And I, I, I bless his heart for keeping it under wraps. We don't need that circus even though I think I've been hearing the calliope lately. Uh, Second uh, question for you. Okay, we need to build the offensive line. We need to build the defensive line. I think it's more important that we have those assistant coaches than we have the head coach. And I got two names for you. Absolute home runs. What are your thoughts? Bill Callahan, Bo Pelini. <laughs> I love hey, that. I, 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 you know what, Paul? I love it. I love it, and and I don't know that they you ever get. Us, don't they? Actually, we 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 have owed them, and they're all both paid in full. But exactly. no, B- Billy we'll sees. Uh, let's, is, let's, uh, let's get the band back together. <laughs> yeah, that would work. Uh, no, yeah, I think if you're if you're God. gonna, I think I think the offensive line coach to to go get or add because it would be a really good thing to have two offensive line coaches like they used to and have two defensive line coaches like you used to and paul thanks for the call we're up against a break but i think you look at at, at coach garrison if you're going to bring somebody back that's a good option right and and listen riola by all accounts uh, has been working the guys the right way so that's not a shot at him you just have uh, the, the situation they're in on the offensive line right now but I think Garrison's a guy you, you really look at defensive line-wise. Um, you know, uh, Coach O was as good as it gets on the offensive line. Uh, I know he's got $18 million to just kick it. There'd have to be some sort of favor going on there, I think, to get Coach O to come back. Coach Dion. But maybe he just misses football and wants a nice, I shouldn't say easy role, but a, a lower stress role. He's on a beach in Destin right now saying, Go Tigers! <laughs> All right, hour two, Bill Dolman on the way. It's Hale Varsity presented by Currency. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. 
Back with you, Tower 2, Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Inside the single barrel, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark, the pride of Fairbury back courtside. Bill Dolman with us, back from Big Ten Volleyball. Brady Altman's coming up here in 25 minutes. Clasburn and the forecast. It is the interim bowl. It is the <laughs> showdown between the, the two big reds and uh, one trying to get to six, uh, one trying to sneak in with the old GPA. Bill Dolman, it's cold. It's November football weather. How you doing, dude? Well, you know, you'd like to think that perhaps the chilly weather would be an advantage for the, uh, the Huskers, but you've got a team coming from Wisconsin. So they might be thinking it's a they little They laugh at this. Yeah, yeah. They're probably somewhat amused as they come in on Iditarod sleds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Them and their woolly mammoths just pull up to the door and yeah. say, sleeves? Yeah. What are those? Yeah. Bill, let's let's get uh, the uh, the silly season kicked off here for an hour or two, <laughs> and and talk more coaching carousel. I, I heard I saw Sam Pittman's name come back uh, earlier in the so week. Where's so your, we're, where's we're your where's your bingo where's your bingo card at right now? Well, my bingo card once again points back to my my brilliance on all of this because <laughs> what 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 had, what's transpired? You've in the said last James week? Franklin since September as far as maybe not being an unha- unhappy valley in a year. Well, the, the, the reason I pointed to James Franklin on September 12th was I thought, again, not that he's coming to Nebraska. Not, not here, but moving. Right. Domino. Exactly. That, that he might be the kind of coach with a, with a, a good contract, but with a – there, there's always that feeling that sometimes the time is just right for a move. Brian Kelly did it last year. Seven-year itch. Yeah, exactly, leaving LSU. Lincoln Riley, somewhat inexplicably, other than the money that was thrown at him, which has been taken away by California taxes, but nevertheless, Lincoln Riley, time to move on and do something different, leaving Oklahoma for for USC. Sometimes you just get that sense that there's going to be, that somebody's feeling the time to move on. And I thought James Franklin is the kind of character guy that would relate well with Trev Alberts. Not saying that he was going to be the guy, but that's the kind of person and a splash hire that you might be able to make. The reason I pointed, one of the reasons I pointed at James Franklin, he, he signed with Jimmy Sexton. And if you're, you, you do a deep enough dive into college football coaching and changes, Jimmy Sexton is the super agent for college football coaches. He's with CAA, one of the largest agency conglomerates in the entire world. He made that change last year in October. Okay, if you're set in Happy Valley, and even though you got a nice new contract, why would you hire a super agent at that point? His name was bandied about for USC. His name was thrown around for Texas, even though Sarkeesian was, had the job, but people were unhappy with him. I'm thinking there's got to be something to the itch. He right? wants out. Right. So Matt Rule's name has been bandied about with Nebraska for the past couple of months. He's a Penn State guy. And if you're Matt Rule and you've got $40 million in every pocket in your pants, you know, maybe you sit back and think, that job might be opening up this year, next year, a couple years. I got the money. I don't necessarily need to go take a job to get a job like Bill Callahan did to Nebraska. Rule can sit back and wait to see if something happens, and he gets his ultimate dream job at his alma mater where he would be beloved. And Franklin gets to move on and scratch the itch someplace else. Franklin's name today 
has been associated with the Auburn job. Makes a lot of sense to me. And Rule, if that's if he wants to get back into coaching, that's where he's immediately going to get back into coaching. You're Auburn, and you have seen James the last two years trash you in your backyard, win a tight one two years ago. Mm-hmm. You've also seen him do the impossible, and that's take Vandy to a nine-win season a couple of different times in the SEC East, not West, but that thing's going to get blown up anyway because every, everyone's going to start going division list. Mm-hmm. So you have your top three or four vying for the 12 spots in the playoffs in two years. So you've got background in the SEC. Franklin was a Maryland guy under Ralph Regan, then uh, went to Vandy to get his head job, did well at Vandy, and then ended up uh, doing great things at Penn State, broke through, beat Penn State, uh, beat Ohio State, and I was seen that window kind of shut where they're, they're competitive for a while, but, but it's eventually it's Ohio State by three touchdowns or right. more. And they always have that, that, that game in late September, early October, where they lose to Purdue or they lose to Maryland or they lose that game. Or that they're now they getting shouldn't. trashed by Michigan. Right. They go from the top 15 in the country with, you know, we're going to be in the Big Ten championship game, and then they stub their toe, and then they run into Michigan and or Ohio State, and then they get boat raced. And then they end up in the Citrus Bowl. They're ten and three every year, nine and four or eight and five, and now then they really start to get restless. He's a great coach and he's a great guy. I met him down in Houston and uh, would be a, a, a great representative here. He would be really good at, at Auburn to settle down. You know all that's gone on there with the Brian Harson debacle. He doesn't have the, the, the necessarily the excitement and the charisma of Cadillac uh, Williams, mm-hmm. but. Uh, James Franklin at Auburn would be great. James Franklin at Nebraska would be great. James Franklin at Arizona State would be great at this stage of his career to give him a jump start and to have successes that may not be national championship-type successes, but he would run a very, very good program. Bill, with all this potential craziness that could be forthcoming in the coaching carousel, and it's all potential right now with James Franklin and whatever dominoes that would lead to, but if you're Trev Alberts, would you be looking to, to get your coach hired before the craziness, get it, get it all out of the way, or would you wait for the craziness to happen and see if you can take advantage of some of the this, the, the unpredictability that could come after the season? I didn't know he hasn't hired him already, and That's he's just waiting point. to make the announcement. I mean, again, you go back to Lincoln Riley and USC a year ago. USC was brilliant in the way it, it made its coaching change with Clay Helton, whether you like it or not, being fired in September. Helton goes away, and, and I've, I've said it many times on this show, and other people uh, you know, have agreed with me, that the Oklahoma State-Oklahoma game didn't end, and somebody pick up the phone from USC and say, hey, do you want the USC job? And two hours later, he's got the gig. Because leading up to kickoff of the Oklahoma State-Oklahoma game a year ago, Lincoln Riley was going to LSU. Everybody thought that, and nobody had an idea who was going to USC, except maybe James Franklin, right? When that game or, ended, or, or Matt Campbell, or Matt, <laughs> Matt Campbell, but two hours after the Oklahoma Oklahoma State game last year, Lincoln Riley's the coach. That did not just happen. Nobody is going to convince me that USC didn't pick up the phone, <coughs> excuse me, in September and say, Lincoln Riley, what do you think? I think a lot. Okay, we'll just play out the season and we'll make the announcement. Who knows? Maybe Nebraska has done that as well. All, and you're just waiting for the season to come to an end on September, or November 25th or 26th, and the announcement gets made. So who's to say they don't have their guy already? And again, Trev Albert said, I will talk to a lot of people. Maybe he did talk to Matt Rule. 
Maybe he did talk to Urban Meyer. Maybe he did talk to Sam Pittman. You're never, ever going to know who was on the list that people keep talking about because I think there's no list. That list is like the uh, the contract for Frosty. <laughs> <laughs> right. A little bit. Well, Professor right. Dolman, I mean, Bill Dolman is here with us on Hill Varsity <laughs> Radio today. You're not my class yet, but you'll probably get he, a He's getting the brownie a, points now. You'll probably get a C plus, so go I ahead. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's it? Come on. Jeez. Promise? <laughs> I thought I'd get a little extra than that, but I'll take a, I'll take a C plus at this point, but... C's get degrees. Uh, that's right. <laughs> but do you think it's a good thing that, you know, how quiet the athletic department has been during this? Because I, I, I think so. And I'm just curious to get your thoughts. That, what, are, what are your thoughts on them being quiet about this entire procedure? It's a silence me. It's, it has been very well done. It speaks volumes about the respect that the people in the athletic department have given Trev that he has earned from his staff, if he can keep it that close to those who may know what's going on, may have an a, a, a intimate idea of what's going on, or may just on the periphery have an idea. But the fact that, that people have been um, that tight-lipped and things have been as disciplined as they have been is a testament to his leadership, one. On the other hand, that also speaks volumes to anybody who potentially is a candidate or would be interested in the job, mm. when you see how well he has managed this and has been able to maintain uh, the discipline that it takes to go through a search like this at a high-profile institution like, like Nebraska. It, 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 has been, it has been remarkable to me. And I'm not sure that past athletic directors, namely Sean Eichhorst or Steve Peterson, certainly couldn't keep, you know, keep everything in line. But Trev has, his staff has for the most part, uh, high level and entry level alike, and I think that speaks not just to that to him, but it will also speak to candidates and people who are interested in working at Nebraska that the boss can be trusted with keeping things personnel matters close to the vest when they need to be, and the rest of the staff is that disciplined. I, I think it's been brilliant. USC did it last year with Lincoln Riley, not to give them much credit, but uh, I think this has been uh, very well done. Bill Dolman here. We're at the Single Barrel Hale Varsity Radio Roadshow Friday. Final Friday Roadshow here for Home Football Senior Day tomorrow. We're here at 7 a.m. for weekend edition uh, Hale Varsity Radio pregame. And then Real Red Reaction follows uh, immediately after Nebraska-Wisconsin at Bill Dolman, where you find the Pride of Fairbury on Twitter, Chris Schmidt, Connor Clark, and uh, forecast coming up here with Clausburn. Bill, let's dive into a couple of newer names that have floated around, and I like the domino potential here, guys, with, say, Franklin Bolts, Penn State. There's two jobs that Matt Rule has wanted his whole life. New York City kid, loves the Giants, didn't get that. Former Penn State linebacker would love to go back to Happy Valley. I get those, too. But say the dominoes start falling and Rule's cooled. What do you believe about, about Lance? Uh, about Kleiman, and then DeBoer, uh, a guy that's from Sioux Falls, did well at Indiana. We kind of laid it out. His name's come up a bit. His buyout's $12 million. only been at uh, Washington for a year, but super, super talented guy, Midwest guy. I've been a big fan of his for a long time, and uh, I, I, 
when everything was going down a year ago and things weren't looking really good in the Scott Frost era, I thought right. Kalen DeBoer. Go get him now from Fresno. Yeah, right, exactly. And that, but would people think, well, that's a great hire? People would go, who is that? And, and probably wouldn't be accepted around here. Now he's at Washington after one year. Everybody's going, well, that's the guy, right? Um, but I think he's a great coach, and I think he's probably looking at the future of the Pac-12 going, um, I don't know if this is. I'm either is, moving in with you or I can just jump now. Right. Um, so I, 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 would, I would doubt that he leaves unless it's for the absolute right opportunity. He would also fall in line with, again, the character of the kind of guy that Trev Alberts would be looking for and could you know, really build something pretty special for a long, long time. Uh, you know, Lance's name was right up, out there, but again, all these names were thrown out there by media types for the most part. Mm-hmm. Nobody, Trev didn't go, here's my list. And people think that there's a list. Maybe there was there a water is gate. no list. Maybe there's a Watergate break <laughs> in and the whiteboard was left. Right, but there, there, there is no list for people to say Matt Rule is the front runner. Again, Trev might have talked to him, you know? Trev might have talked to Kyle Whittingham at Utah, whose name has popped up again this week, you know, in terms of recruiting and building a program. Kyle Whittingham's name is going to go on the field in Salt Lake City. He's, he's, he's like Tom Osborne. I have a hard time believing at 63 that he would be willing to make a move. But Trev has said, I'm going to talk to people about how to get this thing done and how to get it done right and who to talk to. Well, Bill, what's your take on what Trev Alberts had to say a couple days ago about the the admiration across the country that he's found uh, for a place like Nebraska. He said that surprised him within the process, and I think there's two ways you can take that. One is that, you know what, there's more interest in this Husker job than some people might think based on the, the recent results, or the other way you can take it is uh, a friend zone type scenario where you go, yeah, we have a, a lot of admiration. <laughs> I'm not going to come coach there, but a lot of admiration for what you're doing. Well, the friend zone take. Great way of putting that. <laughs> There's still, you know, I've, I say this every year. Nebraska is still a prominent program. It still matters to college football. If it didn't, with this whole coaching search, remember from day one, who are the candidates in Nebraska? All of the big names that are out there to make the next move. Matt Campbell, Lance Leipold, da-da-da-da-da. Who's the, who's the next head coach at Colorado? Well, the assistant coach at Illinois is pretty good. Maybe Eric Bieniemy, who hasn't gotten a job out of Kansas City. Who's the who's the who are the candidates at Arizona State? Well, maybe this assistant. No, all of the big names that would be potentially available in this coaching cycle have all been associated with Nebraska because it matters. And the same can be said for Auburn. Mm-hmm. You know, it's even though it's a little brother to Alabama within the state and in the SEC, it still garners the attention of the biggest names that could be available that might be interested in that program. And Nebraska continues to be right in there. So it does not surprise me. I think that there are probably some coaches that go, you know what, that's a great gig, but it, it intimidates people. You know, you're, you're three and nine or whatever you're going to be, and there's still going to be 85,000 people at the game tomorrow. It still matters. And some coaches would go, it matters, and I want to be a part of that. Some might say, I can't handle the pressure. I'm going to be happy where I'm at coaching in. Mm. Seattle or wherever the case might be, and they might be intimidated. It is, a, it is a, still a big job that matters, and some are up to the game and some aren't. We'll talk with Brady Altman, staff writer from Hale Varsity, get his take. He's talked to a number of agents here uh, with uh, the Nebraska search and uh, get his take on Saturday kickoff. More Bill Dolman, of course. 
You need a refill already? No, I was just saying Mickey Joseph is one who would not be intimidated by no, Mickey's the job. Absolutely a guy we still smile about, and he'll lead his guys onto the field tomorrow for senior day. Hail Varsity continues yes, I do need a single barrel. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut pre-teen Swedish boy. Back with you, Tail Varsity. We're here at the single barrel. Matt weighs in now that Bill's back stateside. You might not want to let him on the show too much unless you want some stiff competition for the Nebraska Sportscaster of the Year Award. <laughs> Matt, who do you think I bribed to uh, to be able to get it? <laughs> Bill's, Bill's got like 70 of them on his mantle. Uh, so... Uh, there you go. But thank you, Matt, for watching out for me. We say hi to Brady Oltmans with HailVarsity.com and Magazine. Brady is is bundled up because tis the season. Uh, I'm looking at a picture right now of David Lee Roth, mid-80s in Iowa City, uh, as he was there to see a Hawkeyes game in November, or probably not November, but anytime Diamond Dave is, is pictured on Twitter, it's a good thing. Brady, uh, let's talk about offense and style that Nebraska needs or you'd be good with them going to in reference to this coaching carousel. And uh, we talked with Coach Alvarez earlier in the week, and you can totally be the old Nebraska. Is there somebody out there that would fit the old Nebraska-type mentality here uh, that can come be be the head coach. I know Mickey and Bushy both both have that mentality. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Um, I th- I think that um, you could go with a guy like uh, Sonny Dykes. I really like. I mean, what he's done at, at TCU has been really kind of amazing. But um, I know some of the names that are are thrown out there. It's a different game now, so you're going to have more pass naturally, but. Mm run between the tackles, do something similar to what uh, Wisconsin has done um, successfully over the last 10 years. And Ohio State and Michigan are a good benchmark of, of what's successful, what works, while still being modern in the Big Ten. Brady Altman's with us, and, and that's key. And it's interesting when you look at Ohio State, they can kind of do what they want because of, of the talent and where they're at. In reference to talent, same with Michigan, and I, I know from a from a state population standpoint, you have Detroit, you have some of the other regions. It's it's not quite Ohio Valley, but it's still in a in a really impressive vicinity. Those guys are kind of outliers. Same with Penn State, with their ability to get uh, the, the state of Pennsylvania more times than not. Nebraska's always had to be a bit unique, Brady, and and that's be developmental like. Wisconsin has been like Iowa's been like Illinois turning into Minnesota's the same way and and I think we, we were talking about this uh, a little bit uh, in hour one and and Minnesota's really a, a pretty good and I didn't think I'd ever say this in my life but that's where things are at right now Minnesota's uh, they, they know what they are they have a good identity and mm-hmm. They're just rough and tough on the, the lines of scrimmage. They run the football, and uh, they, can, they can have a season where they rise up and, and knock off a top 10 and, hey, maybe even become a top 10. 
Yeah, I, mean, I think Mickey Joseph kind of touched on it um, really well this week when he, he said it simply, you know, we've got to go where the heat is. Um, they've got to go get guys from Chicago, from St. Louis, from Kansas City, and uh, and even Minneapolis area. I know that they're, they're looking at some guys from up there. They're looking at guys in kind of rural Wisconsin. Uh, they're obviously going down south. Louisiana's been heavily hit um, in Mickey's time, even just down to, like, Georgia, Alabama, and things because he, he wants competitive depth. He wants them to go, and, and he said that, they need to develop guys, but they need to, when they get a kid, they need to know, hey, he can play right away or he can play year two and then just build them up into their potential to where there's not a big drop off between years or between um, number one and number two on the depth chart. Uh, because I think that that's something he's experienced in the SEC uh, is that, you know, the, that LSU championship team he was on was just stacked um, at receiver and beyond. And you're seeing it now with Georgia and Bama. Bama to a less extent now, per you know, comparatively to what they usually are. He wants to bring that to Nebraska. He knows that that can be successful here. So it's it that's kind of the goal. And obviously Nebraska's not there, so it's going to take some work to to do. But um, I think that's that's the end goal for him. And it's it's interesting to see like that's the goal line and where Nebraska is now. So what are just going to be the steps to take incrementally to get there? Brady Oltmans is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Brady, simple question here, complex, difficult answer. Whenever you look at Nebraska, taken in context, what's the ceiling of a place like Nebraska? Um, you get the right guy in. I think the absolute ceiling is there's no reason why it can't um, compete for – uh, at a national championship caliber again, I think you're looking at a good spot for them with realistic terms now with all of the you know, recruiting um, limitations or I guess hurdles, not limitations that you have. It's like a Penn State level. You're talking top 10, a good shot at the playoff uh, once, especially if it expands out to 12, once every couple years, um, always competing in tough for the, big, for the Big Ten Championship, or at least a division or Potter, however that ends up looking, you know, with the expansion of UCLA and USC. So I, I think that that's kind of, that's not an unrealistic benchmark. I mean, of course, that can come with a, a great year of development and with the right coach of competing for, you know, into a play or into a semifinal potential national championship game. But I think that that's, that's kind of the benchmark that I think is a realistic aspiration for, for Nebraska. Brady Oltmans is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Brady, I'm going to keep this question short and sweet, just kind of rip off the Band-Aid. Does Nebraska have a chance of winning tomorrow? <laughs> oh, I think absolutely. I, I, I really do. I think Nebraska's got a really good chance um, tomorrow. I mean, you've, you've got to stiffen up in the middle, stop the run. That's obviously a bigger ask and a taller task said than done. But if they can do that, they've got themselves a great opportunity I mean, Wisconsin's pass game, their vertical pass game, ha leaves a little bit to be desired. I mean, they've, they've coughed up the ball a lot. So if you can force them into turnovers, whoever, if Casey's back there, if Logan's taking snaps, whoever it may be, again, because it's going to be so cold, Mickey's going to stress handing the ball off now. If that happens um, or not, what remains to be seen. But I, I think there's a legitimate chance Nebraska can win this. 
Real, real quick, if if Whipple's throwing the football too often, does Mickey move him towards the sideline out of the booth again? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I wonder if the uh, last week's ordeal with Whipple has kind of um, uh, not humbled him, but kind of helped him um, cooperate more and helped him um, communicate better with the, with the staff. But uh, we'll see. We'll see how that turns out. <laughs> Are we just going to gloss over the fact that Brady said a moment ago that Sonny Dykes is the front runner for the Nebraska head coaching job? Breaking on social media <laughs> I while mean, that's still alive. He's got to be on the list, isn't he? You know the list. I mean, crying out loud. I said Sean Payton. That... Why not? I mean, if, if, with all of the outlandish stuff that's been out there, why, why not Sean Payton? All right? Guy, yeah. guy needs a gig, <laughs> right? He's probably always dreamed of coaching in college. Mm-hmm. Why not Nebraska outside? On a 12-degree day, there you go. <laughs> well, here's the thing. He's on the list. And, and, and the whole Bounty Gate thing, that could be legal with NIL now. <laughs> be perfectly good to go. <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah. Brady Oltmans is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Brady, just oh, to man. get back to the game tomorrow, Nebraska Nebraska may have a, a game plan in place tomorrow. That remains to be seen. I assume they do. Whether or not it works, it's another question entirely. Do you have a game plan to combat the cold tomorrow? <sighs> You know, I was actually just talking with a couple of people. I think I'm going to have my uh, snowboarding gear from Wyoming that I'm going to um, just strap to myself and see if I can bundle down with. But um, we've got a couple of like kind of cool recruits on the sidelines I haven't had a chance to meet yet, so I'm hoping to camp out on the sidelines a little bit longer than usual and talk to them a little bit. you, you got to wear the, uh, this, the snowboarding goggles as well, too, when you're on the sideline. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I got them. <laughs> I, I need a video of, uh, of Brady and Aaron with uh, him saying, let's ride again with snowboarding goggles <laughs> going and, and just roll it that way. For Bill Dolman and the rest of the recruiting fans at the table, uh-huh. who's, yeah. uh, who's here? We talked to, to, to Gage Ginther a little bit earlier, talented lineman from Colorado. Who else you're looking at tomorrow? Uh, well, a really neat one is the, um, oh, I can't even pronounce his last name which is weird jt farad or the um the the texas quarterback um that they just offered when he was back um for the minnesota game uh they finally offered him after that one he is back in in visit and um the other one that comes right off the the top of my mind is uh charlie wistrom the a young grant wistrom's daughter a sophomore kicker um in out of missouri right now She's actually um, having her uh, an unofficial visit to Nebraska. So it'll be cool. I talked with um, or reached out to Grant um, not too long ago to check in and see how everything was going. So I expect both of them to be on the sidelines tomorrow. So I'm excited to touch base with them. That's awesome. And and Grant's been doing a lot of traveling for for soccer, for club soccer. Charlie's got a leg, man, and she's uh, one heck of a kicker. Brady, uh, what name are you most intrigued by as we wind down here at the single barrel uh, with the coaching carousel this week? It's been Rule. Yeah, back to Leopold. There's been DeBoer. Who's uh, who's on your list, man? Um, personal list is a little bit different than, um, than the realistic list, probably. Uh, I think the one that I'm hearing more often than not anymore is still kind of um, Leipold's in the mix, but Rule just keeps coming up kind of repeatedly over and over again. I'd still, 
The thing about Rule is that fascinates me is all of his ties and the names that he's associated to. He's really good at assembling a staff. And a guy like Joey McGuire, uh, now down at Texas Tech, is a guy that I really like. Not to say that he'd be a good fit for Nebraska or that there's any interest there, but uh, a guy who just, similar to Mickey, just builds relationships, builds connections. Like, he's got a, he's got a Rolodex a mile wide of Texas high school coaches. And I'm sure that you could, a similar coach could kind of do that in Nebraska with all the different states that Nebraska touches on in recruiting, especially in the Big Ten. You've got to have those connections. Mickey gets it. That's, I think, what makes him such an intriguing prospect for the job. But any sort of young coach who can have that fire and those connections is is the kind of guy that, that I gravitate towards. And then I'll also throw out Sam Pittman because I like myself a, a country guy. <laughs> uh, there we go. Brady Oltman's uh, with HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Uh, gets you covered on recruiting this weekend and thoughts on Nebraska and Wisconsin. Brady, uh, stay warm. Thanks for the time tonight. I appreciate you jumping in, bud. No problem. Thanks, guys. You know, Rob, our friend, uh, says, with all the Wisconsinites that are here at the single barrel, where's the spotted cow? We need uh, Smokey and Snowman pulling up in a <laughs> semi here with some spotted cow for, for the rest of Nebraska. Forecast on the way with Clausburn on Hale Varsity. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity Radio. We are presented by Currency, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark and uh, Bill Dolman, proud of Fairbury, NBC Sports. The professor is here. It is that time for the Friday forecast here at the Single Barrel, our final Friday road show here at the Single Barrel for football season. Back here tomorrow morning for the uh, weekend edition, pregame 7 to 9. Come get your uh, breakfast buffet going. Get a warm cup of coffee, 250 whiskeys to choose from that can keep you warm into that first quarter. So I hear. Do we have Clausburn with us? Claus, how are we? Well, I'm doing okay. If you don't mind, I want to address some things that I've seen on message boards recently. I will not be the head coach for the next three <laughs> years because Matt Rule is slated to be the head coach. Lance Leipold will be running things in North Stadium, and Matt Campbell will be running this program into the ground. We're taking all three. And that'll be that. (laughs) And for the guy who asked on the message boards, if anybody knew who I was, sir, you will never know. I am the Lizard King. So keep wishing. (laughs) There we have it. Claus says we're taking all three. Let's. uh, I I think it's bigger news that he's announcing he's the Lizard King. Yeah. He can do anything. Little Jim Morrison. He was on the list. Yes. For the Lizard King. Clausburn is seventh on the list behind. Who would be? Who would Claus be behind? Jim Morrison. Jim Morrison. Okay. Good answer. Rayman Zarek. Okay. uh, Baylor hosting TCU. Does TCU keep on keeping on? Fairly certain they're probably going to clinch a spot in the Big 12 title game. They want to find their way to the playoff. We have said no to TCU before. It's got to stop this weekend. It's got to stop this weekend. It does not. TCU gets the win in Baylor. And uh, two and a half's the line. They'll do it by a touchdown. Uh, 28-21, give me TCU, Elijah. Yeah, I'm with you on this one after being 
uh, wrong about TCU last week, and I believe uh, two weeks before that as well. I'm tired of picking against TCU. Uh, even if I'm wrong, I'd rather pick on TCU's side just to get back on the, the good graces of the Horn Frog fans I know. So let's go TCU 24, Baylor 24, a 10-point win for TCU. They're a good football team. Connor Clark. I think TCU wins and covers on the road. I'll give them a touchdown victory, 35-28. Bill Dolman. With this being potentially Dave Aranda's last game as the head coach of the <laughs> Baylor Bears, I think they're distracted. Uh, I think TCU has it going on. They're two-and-a-half-point favorites, so I, I think they cover 32-and-a-half to 17. Okay. Claus, uh, what do you like here, TCU or Baylor? Well, I don't know if you fellas know this, but this is a bit of a homecoming for TCU. Texas Christian University and Baylor actually used to be in the same town. And then in 1910, TCU moved to Fort Worth because their campus burned down. And as you fellas have learned through history, once the fire starts, it's a good idea to get out of Waco. So that's what they did. (laughs) I knew it was coming to you. Wow. I think in their return, they win this ball game 34 to 21. Off to Minneapolis we go. Uh, I knew it was coming. Gophers minus two and a half. Iowa better, but still not great. Less than 200 yards of total offense against Whiskey last week. I think the Gophers get this done. The new quarterback will spark them. Their defense is still good, and it's still the Iowa offense. Low scoring. Uh, 13 to 6. Give me Minnesota. I'm going to go with Iowa in this one. After all the bad mouths we've been doing Iowa's offense this season, it would just be so Iowa of them to get a, a backdoor right into the Big Ten championship game. I, I hope it doesn't happen. Something tells me it will. So I'm going to take Iowa in this football game. 17 to 13. The Hawkeyes get the win. Thanks to some big plays from their defense. Connor. I'm in on Minnesota's quarterback, Ethan Kaliak Manis, the pride of Antioch, Illinois. I think. <laughs> Minnesota covers, and I will take them 21 to 14. Shout out to the Sequoits. Okay, Bill Dolman. With this being P.J. Flex, uh, potentially his last game at Minnesota before moving on to take a head coaching job elsewhere, I think Minnesota will be distracted. Uh, maybe he'll take the Iowa job since uh, Kirk Ferentz, you know, this could potentially be, I'm just going to say this the entire show, <laughs> right? Um, I, I think Minnesota's probably got it rolling. I think with Iowa's win over Wisconsin, that's the high point of their season. So I, I'm going to take uh, Minnesota 32.5. Uh, 17. Uh, 32 points against the Iowa defense. Okay. Well, 32 and a half. They're two and a half point favorites. So everything's 32 and a half today. Claus, uh, what happens here, Minnesota or Iowa? Well, I think Iowa has uh, an unfair advantage in the battle of the Floyd of Rosedale. That's that's this game, right? The Floyd of Rosedale. It, it is. is. Yeah, I think Iowa has an unfair advantage because I think it's a tradition for the men of Iowa to fight each other for a pig after a six-pack of Bush Light just about every Saturday night. So. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. I'll take Iowa in this one. <laughs> 17 and Minnesota 13. Battle of Hollywood, SC and UCLA. SC's got a chance here to put a run together for the playoff. Uh, Notre Dame looms after the Bruins and then a Pac-12 title game. But first things first, give me Chip Kelly. Give me the rushing offense. Give me the Bruins, even though they stubbed their toe last weekend. 31 to 27, a win 
and uh, outright win for the Bruins. Elijah. Yeah, when is the last time a USC-UCLA game meant this much? That's 1989, Rodney Pete versus Troy Aikman. Glad you knew that off the top of your head because I sure as hell didn't. Uh, this is a fun matchup. It's USC and their, their track speed versus uh, UCLA. Their rushing attack physicality, dare I say. Uh, I think the track speed comes out on top. USC is a very good football team this year in contention for a playoff. UCLA is not. I'm going to take USC a win and a slight, slight cover. 31-28, to 28, USC gets it done. Connor. UC gets it done in front of the quote-unquote sellout at the Rose Bowl this weekend, which is about <laughs> 20,000 short. And I think they'll win by 10. I'll give them a 41-31 win. Wow. Bill. I really believe this. If the UC Board of Regents does not allow UCLA to go to the Big Ten, I think Chip Kelly will get out of UCLA sooner rather than later. Uh, but I think USC is actually pretty good, minus their running back who got hurt. But I like them uh, winning by 14 over uh, Chip Kelly. I think last week's stubbing of the toe will linger. Claus, what happens, SC or UCLA? Well, I like Bill's point a lot. You know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of John Wooden, as you fellas know. And he famously, at the start of every year before practice, would have the boys learn how to properly tie their shoes. And if the California Board of Regents blocks UCLA's move to the Big Ten, I think they ought to bring somebody back to teach them that class because I don't think they're smart enough to handle anything more complex than Velcro. So, (laughs) that said, a lot of distractions at UCLA. USC wins this one fairly large uh, margin, 38-21. All right, SC by 17, says Claus. We'll wrap up here as we wind down from the single barrel as Hale Varsity Radio on the road on the docket. Utah at Oregon and also Wisconsin and Nebraska minus 10 and a half. Want to remind you about uh, buckling up. The driver has one job, eyes uh, straight ahead and buckle. The uh, driver's one job uh, arrives safely. This message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Winding it down, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark, Bill Dolman, and Claus Byrne. Forecast rolls forward with Hale Varsity presented by Currency. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HaleVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time here at the Single Barrel Inside the Graduate Friday Roadshow. Back here tomorrow for the weekend edition pregame, 7 to 9 a.m. Get the breakfast buffet going. A lot of West Side fans in here, Dolman. I've seen a lot of West Side folks here, and not too many Gretna people. <laughs> no, a lot, a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of red W's here, but a uh, great spot, amazing steaks, uh, 250 whiskeys and bourbons to choose from. Uh, the latest scuttlebutt, does Matt Rule hang back and wait and see if A&M opens in case Jimbo gets the uh, sleep with the fishes treatment? <laughs> that would not shock me at all. He just utilizes all those contacts they talked about him having while he was in Waco. Well, I said yesterday, what's the holdup with Rule? We might be finding out today that there just might be other opportunities. Other gigs, uh, as much or more money, and maybe Jimbo finds his way back to 
country roads. Well, he never should have said that at the beginning of the season, that if there's one job I would leave Texas A&M for, it would be West Virginia. And then they go get beat by Appalachian State. That was like, you know, Danny Nee when he said, you know, I've never felt at home here. I'm going to go to Rutgers. Well, Danny Nee's uh, dog at the time, his new puppy was named Jersey. So <laughs> we uh, welcome Clodsburn back in. Let's get back to the forecast. Utah at Oregon, minus two and a half. Uh, I think Oregon's going to feel Utah. I like Winningham and uh, the uh, the Utes, uh, 31 to uh, 27. A tight win for Utah, Elijah. Oregon's offense so good this season. I think they're going to get their points. That's what failed them last year against Utah is their offense. I don't think they, they offense falters again this year. Give me Oregon 41 and give me Utah 35, a win and cover for uh, Oregon. What do you think, Connor? 31-28 Ducks at home. I like them. Okay, Bill. I'm big on Kyle Whittingham in his last game as the head coach. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> He'll never leave Utah. But I still think that they are too tough for Oregon at this stage of the season. 28-17 on the road. Claus, Utah or Oregon? Well, the future of the Pac-12 after USC and UCLA may come down to these two teams. But what a prize. It'll be like Christopher an hour past closing time saying, well, ladies, I'm all that's left. Might as well take me. So I think Utah is probably the prettiest one at the bar at this point, and they'll win this one 34 and Oregon 24. Rapid fire, uh, Nebraska not enough tomorrow. Give me Wisconsin 13 to 10. Huskers cover, Elijah. Got to throw everything you know in a cold weather game like this. It's so unpredictable. Give me Nebraska outright 17 to 16. Okay, Bill Dolman. Mickey Joseph put on the scoreboard this week or somewhere in the locker room, 2012, the last time Nebraska beat Wisconsin. I think he was foreshadowing the final score. Nebraska, 20-12. to Uh, What do you say, Connor? I'm going to go 24-21 Huskers. Give it to me. Claus, what happens? I just want to first give a tip to my uh, friends in Lincoln. Now would be a bad weekend to sell your home, but a great weekend to have your property tax valuation revisited because when these Wisconsin fans overrun our town, property values will plummet. What with their greasy, unkempt beards and weird deposits of trans fats, sweating out melted cheddar (laughs) cheese and butter, smelling of uncured sausages, and their husbands are no better. So (laughs) take advantage of that fact. As Nebraska wins 24 and Wisconsin 20. Claus, you behave. (laughs) Too late. Okay. 